Hi everyone, Pastor Michael here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I want to encourage you to use this resource in addition to, and not in place, of belonging to a local church body as you grow in your faith. If this sermon is a blessing, would you consider giving back to Springs Church? You could do that by giving on the app or by visiting the gift tab on our website at springs.church. I pray this sermon increases your passion for Christ and helps you grow in your walk with God. Well, Springs Church, I have something on my heart I want to share for this special Christmas Eve morning service. Um, Something that the Lord kind of opened me up to as I was reading through the Christmas story and um, kind of going through it again. If you turn with me to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading in the NIV together, and I'm just going to ask God's blessing on this. Lord, we just pray just a touch of your spirit this morning on the word. God, I pray that this would go beyond just a teaching or just a concept or a truth, but it'd be mixed with faith this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give gifts of faith throughout this body to be able to believe the things that are going to begin to be presented through your word. Lord, you have come to give a vision, a vision of your kingdom, a vision for each one of our lives, and you encapsulate that vision through your birth. So I pray today as we look at it and we push aside, Lord God, just the tradition and the romanticism of the story, you would allow the vision to unfold through the working and the power of the Spirit of God. And I pray today people would feel your literal touch on their hearts, say, I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to you. They would see the vision, not just for the overall kingdom, but they would see the vision for themselves and their lives and what you're calling them to, God. So God, I commit this to you now. Help me in my frailty. Help me in my inability to be able to communicate the way that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 2, and I'll start in verse 6 and go down to verse 15. Speaking of Joseph and Mary, he says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. I want you to see this in verse 12. It says, This is going to be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now the Christmas account in Luke chapter 2 is It's not just surprising, but it's kind of strange. 
See, because of all our Christian tradition and our romanticism of the Christmas story, we miss the weight of what's actually going on during Jesus' birth. The Bible said that Jesus came in the fullness of time, which means there was a specific point, a specific time in history that was picked by God as to when Jesus would come. There were certain things that needed to happen before Jesus was going to be born. And God's timing, his timing was always meant to be a picture of how he actually works in each one of our lives. His timing was meant to be a picture of how salvation comes to us and it begins to be worked out inside of our hearts. See, God had allowed the nation of Israel to stall all of their religious effort all of them trying to please God just enough to get them to be able to move in the nation and to move within their families was worn down. The people of God were living under the oppression of Rome. And even though they had a beautiful temple, which was given to them from Herod, there was nothing happening in it. The presence of God wasn't manifesting. The Shekinah glory wasn't coming down. There was no revival. There was no life. There was no supernatural joy. Everything was dead. Everything was silent. All of man's effort, all of man's religion had brought the nation of Israel to a place of weakness and of fear and of bondage. Think about it. The Jews were being ruled by the Roman Empire. The Romans believed that their way of life and their view on society and on family and on sexuality was superior to every other culture and to every other opposing opinion. They were the elites and anyone who disagreed with them was silenced by force. This was the time that God had picked out for Jesus' coming. His people, the temple worship, they were exhausted, they were oppressed, they were being forced to be quiet and to submit to ungodly leadership. It doesn't look too different from today. It's incredible how history always seems to constantly repeat itself. We live now in a cancel culture where there is a class of elites who now decide and choose which narratives and which opinions can be heard and which ones are right. And everyone else is being silenced by force and by power. And it's caused the church to feel helpless. It's caused the church to feel weary. It's caused the church just to feel battle-worn. And on top of all of that, the church in the Western world is seeing very little revival. Right? Our church meetings, our, our worship services are becoming more and more dry. The presence of God is not manifesting the way that it used to. And our young people are leaving the church by the droves. And they're deconstructing their faith. Because Christianity could not overcome the powers of darkness in the world or in their own hearts that they were struggling with. That was amazing to me. Because God's ways are not our ways. And in the Christmas story, God chooses to bring his kingdom about through a means that to the natural mind seems ridiculous. 
You would think that in the fullness of time, God would have brought his kingdom and his power to the earth through an outpouring of the Shekinah glory in the temple. You would think that in the fullness of time, the manifest presence of God would begin starting to fall on the Temple Mount and then little by little would have grown as people would come under the conviction and under the awakening of the Holy Spirit. And you would think that in the fullness of time as people would start coming from all over Judea and Israel to be awakened by the manifest presence and power of God, then at the climax, Jesus would have appeared by coming out of the Holy of Holies. But that's not how God brought his kingdom to the earth. (laughs) Instead, in the midst of spiritual deadness and under an oppressive power of elites, God manifests his kingdom in the form of a baby. A baby that, according to the scriptures, is supposed to be a sign. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, what exactly does this sign mean, Pastor Michael? How how is a baby wrapped in cloth a sign? Well, think about it just for a second. See, this is God making a declaration by coming in the weakest form of a human being possible, a baby. And he's saying this, that my kingdom, my power, my glory, my name will be brought to reputation through weak men and women like us putting our faith in Christ. God, through the sign of a baby, is saying this, I'm going to prove to every single one of you once and for all that I am not ashamed of your struggles. I'm going to prove and tell you that I am not ashamed to indwell you even when you are weak. Even when you can't change yourself and you can't carry yourself and you can't feed yourself and you don't know how to talk right and you don't know how to walk right. God's making it clear that he's going to endure with human weakness. That God will never abandon us that he will never leave us, that he will never take his presence and his power away from us no matter how much we struggle. Oh my gosh. If you could just see it. This is God. God that is so vast, so immeasurable, that we're never going to be able to comprehend all of who he is even for all of eternity. God. God, who the Bible says literally measured out all the seas and the ocean of the earth in the hollow of his hand. He's saying, how much water does the earth need? How much water does this planet? I'll measure it out in the hollow of my hand. That's what the Bible says. When you stand on the shoreline and you look out across the horizon and you can't see the end of it, God says, that was just my hand. God, who measured the distance of our solar system that we can't even travel, we can't even fathom, says in the Bible with the span of his hand, from the pinky to his thumb. God that is so magnificent, God that is so majestic, that if we were literally sit in his presence face to face, even for a moment, our heads would explode. This God comes in a form of a baby. This God that is so infinite that the universe can't even contain him, Listen to this, encapsulates himself in seven or eight pounds of human flesh. God, God who holds the whole world in his hand, 
He comes and he, 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 he enters in to our own humanity in such a way of weakness that he literally has to be carried. God holds the whole world in his hand, has to be carried. God, who literally gives breath and life to every created being, comes in a form to show us that he's not ashamed of our weakness and he himself has to be fed. God who spoke the whole world into existence through the power of his word has to be taught how to speak. God is saying, I am not ashamed to indwell your weaknesses. No, 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 no. No matter how much you struggle, I'm going to be committed to you to change you, to carry you, to feed you, to teach you how to walk, to teach you how to talk. But it gets even crazier. Because the second sign that we're actually given is a baby that is wrapped in cloths, a baby that is wrapped in some thrown away rags. Now what in the world does that mean? How is that a sign? Well, God is showing us that not only is he gonna endure and be patient with our own weaknesses, but he's going to come and he's gonna wrap himself, listen to this, in our lives, in our humanity. We are the cloths. God is saying to every single one of us that his kingdom, his power is going to manifest on this earth. His name is going to be brought to reputation across every tribe and every tongue because he's going to come and he's going to indwell weak men and women who feel like they're a pile of thrown away rags. God's going to bring his name to glory and reputation. Listen to this by living a life in us and through us that we can never live inside of ourselves by taking our flesh and our personalities and wrapping himself in it. Oh my goodness. Do you see it? Do you see the sign? See, everybody was waiting for the glory to fall. They were sitting in the temple mount. Say, it's gonna come from one of these services. It's gonna come from our congregation alone and that's it. No, God's saying it's gonna come from individual people. And I'm going to come on these individual people and I'm going to wrap myself in their lives. I'm going to bring my power and my spirit and I'm going to live inside of them. And I'm going to cause them to have new desires. I'm going to cause them to have a passion for me. I'm going to cause them to have a boldness and a confidence that they've never had before. And other people are going to see. I'm going to fill their lives with a joy where there's going to be a song that's going to flood out of their hearts. He says other people are going to see it and my kingdom is finally going to come to the earth. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me remind you of what Paul says here. Verse 26 through 29 says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what? He chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. There are some in this room this morning as you're heading into the Christmas season and you feel like you're an absolute failure. You feel like you have failed as a parent 
You feel like you should have been further along in your career. You feel like you can't do anything right at your job. You feel like you're the worst Christian in the world. You struggle to pray. You struggle to read. Your, your, your faith, it's up and down. It's all over the place. You feel like some unwanted castaway pile of rags. And yet God is saying, no, 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 you're missing it. You're not getting it. It's through you. It's you. It's through you that I want to manifest my kingdom on this earth. You're looking at other people saying, God, well, they're wise and they're strong. And God's coming to you and saying, no, it's you. you. You don't understand the sign. See, I came in the form of a baby. I came in the form of weakness because I was going to not be ashamed of your own weakness. I was going to come and I was going to do something in you you couldn't do. He's looking at you. He's not looking just at Nikki Cruz. He's not looking just at Gloria. He's not looking just at Pastor Michael. Every single person in the sea, he's looking at you. He says, you're it. You're my plan. You're how I manifest my kingdom. And it's not because you're strong. It's not because you're mighty. But it's because you recognize that you're weak. God's saying that it's his desire to indwell you. It's his desire to wrap himself in you. He wants to live a life inside of you that you would never be able to live in and of yourself. He wants to come into you with power and cause your heart to actually come alive. Even in the midst of all the chaos going on in the world, even in the midst of everybody's anxiety and fear and all of their emotional exhaustion from just the sinful society that we live in, in the midst of all of that, God is longing to bring a people to himself who are weak, who know in their own strength they cannot bring his name to reputation, who are coming to him, and he wants to fill you with life. He wants to fill you with joy. He wants to fill you with a song. He wants to fill you with hope. So much so that Jesus said it would come out of you like rivers rushing out of your belly. He wants to fill you. Until people, your family, your friends begin to look and they begin to say, what is this you have? We know you. We know how weak you are. We know that you used to be the most miserable, nervous, and fearful person ever. And in the midst of everything that's happening in our world, you got a peace. There's something inside. Where did you get this peace? Where did you get this type of courage? That at your job, you're now praying for people. Where did you get this type of love that is now compelling you to go to your neighbors and go to people that have rejected you, that have literally cast you aside to forgive them, to serve them, to love them? Where did you get that? Where did you get this confidence that even when you make mistakes, and we've seen some big ones out of your life, that somehow with everything going on and everything falling apart, you have a surety inside of you that still all things are going to work together for the good? Where did this come from? And you know what our testimony will be, church. You know what it's going to be. No, no, no. You're looking at the wrong person. I'm just the rags. I'm just the vessel. This is the life of God that's inside of me. He wrapped himself in me. He came to the weakest people. He came in the weakest form to show me he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. But there's a catch. See, Jesus said, before he ascended to the Father, after he resurrected, 
that when he went back, the Father was going to send the promise of the Holy Spirit. And what did he say? He said, the Holy Spirit's going to take what is a mine, and he's going to reveal it to you. In other words, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit's going to take the inheritance that I have now purchased and I have earned through my death and through my obedient life. He's going to take the vision and the calling that now I perfected for each one of your lives. And what is he going to do? He's going to come and he's going to start revealing it to you. He's going to show you a vision for your life. He's going to show you a calling that goes far beyond just your occupation and your job and just you living on this earth. Something of greater importance. Something of greater weight. And he's going to start showing you that it's God's desire to fill you with this life. That this is part of your vision. That this is what God is calling you to. That God wants to live through you. That God wants to live out of you. That he wants to do things inside of you you can never do. He's going to start showing you that he's going to give you the ability to overcome the temper that you have. He's going to start showing you that he's going to give you a love that's going to compel you to serve other people. He's going to start showing you these things. He's going to start bringing them as promises into your life. But here's the catch. Here's the catch. Humanity is the only created thing in all of God's creation that can actually tell God no. We are it. The birds in the sky obey his voice. The vegetation of the earth, they listen to him when he speaks. Everything that was created follows the direction and the leading of God. Humanity is the only one, the only thing that could turn around and say to God, I don't believe it. I don't trust that it's true. I don't believe it can actually happen. You don't understand how weak I actually am. We're the only one that can have an argument with God. We're it. See, God could come to us and he could begin to show us this vision. He could come to us and he could start showing us the life that he wants to live in and through us. But we could choose to resist it. We could choose to sit in our pews and sit in our seats and say, God, it can't be for me. Maybe for Dicky Cruz. Maybe for Dana on the worship team. Maybe for that other person. Jonathan, he's so eloquent. Did you listen to the way he speaks? But you can't actually give that to me. You, you can't work something in my life that's actually going to affect other people around me. The book of Hebrews actually said that God came to the nation of Israel and he showed them a vision for their lives. He showed them a vision. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that they resisted him. That they took the message that God was preaching and they never mixed it with faith. They never believed. And they came out of Egypt. God delivered them of all their sin and all their bondage, but they never came in to where God was leading. See, they were delivered. They were set free, just like we are today. But it's not enough to be delivered. It's not enough to be set free. There's somewhere that God is leading. And he wants to bring us into something. He wants to allow us to come in. And we have to make the choice to actually mix what he is saying, the vision that the Holy Spirit is given with faith, and follow him where he's going. I remember way back to when I first got saved, I I'd walk into a church in New York called Times Square Church. And I was an absolute mess. I mean, I, I was the castaway of everybody. My family, my dad's an engineer, my brother's an engineer, he's got doctorates, my sister-in-law's got doctorates, they have law degrees. They, I mean, my goodness, my mom was the first, first woman mayor over our town. She tried to run for Congress and now she's freeholder. And oh my goodness, I mean, you come out of this family 
And I just couldn't put my life together. I, I was just trying to be a photographer. I was trying to work these things, but I couldn't put my life together. And I walk into this church and I'm sitting there and I'm listening as Pastor Carter Collin and Pastor David Wilkes are getting up every week and they're preaching this exact message over and over and over. God wants to live in you. God wants to do inside of you what you can never do. God wants to take the weak things and the foolish things of the world. He wants to confound the wise. If you feel weak today, God wants to give you a vision for your life. They would preach this thing over and over and over and over. And I remember it finally got into my heart for somehow, by God's grace, I, I believed it and I began to walk up to the altars and I started saying, God, if that's true, that you could use somebody like me. I mean, God, I am so nervous and I am so anxious to be in front of crowds that literally I shake, I shake, I can't stand, I can't speak to anybody. I'm tongue twisted, I'm tongue tied every which way. But if you could take me, if you could use me, I said, God, nobody else could use this. It's yours. My life is yours. My heart is yours. I can't live it. I'm just the rags. But if you could wrap yourself in me and you can live it out, I'm yours. You can take the rags. You can take my weaknesses. You can take it all. And every week I'd come up to these altars and I'd cry out to God and suddenly I'd start hearing as the Holy Spirit would start unveiling parts of his vision for my life. I'd start sensing things like, oh my gosh, I have to serve somewhere in this church. I feel a compelling in my heart. So I'd go home and I'd go through the website. I'd look for all the places to serve and I'd find the nursing home ministry. And I'd say, I'll go to the nursing home ministry. At least, at least there I won't mess anything up. They're about to die and I, I, I don't think I can really screw it up too far. I mean, if they're saved, they're saved. So I go. And I'd sit there with some of the elderly and I'd pray with them and I'd sense God's presence starting to come in the room. I'd sense him. He would break through the conversations that we would have and they would look at me and they'd say, everybody's forgotten about us. Nobody ever comes. And they would say, you've encouraged my faith. You've stirred my love. Then I would say, okay, God, what's next? And he would begin to unveil a little bit more of the vision and, and suddenly I'm serving in the children's ministry and then he's unveiling some of the ministry and, and I'm moving on into to Bible school and I'm just taking one step after another. And now God has raised me up as a senior pastor over a church that I could never have done. It's not me. People People come up to me and say, look what God is doing here. Look what God, and I'm looking at them and saying, no, no, no. God is not doing it because of me. God is doing it despite me. God is literally indwelling. He's leading. He's directing. My wisdom comes from him. My passion comes from him. My boldness comes from him. My confidence comes from him. Everything comes from him. I'm just the dirty rags that he's wrapped himself in and he's walking me through as he is leading this life as I am saying yes. Oh. God is saying today, I got a vision for you. I want to live a life through you. I want to give you a peace in these times that are so tumultuous. I want you to be a testimony. It's impossible, God. I'm the most nervous person out there. Ah, ah, ah. Don't tell me what I can do. I want to give you a peace. I want to give you a love. I want to fill you with hope. I want to fill you with a song. I want to fill you with joy. I came to this earth not through the Shekinah glory. I came to this earth through the weakest form of a human, a baby, to prove to you I'm not ashamed of how weak you are and to prove to you I can do it through you what you can never do in and of yourself. God is saying that this morning. Springs Church, if you just stand with me. Just stand with me. And here is where the message goes. This is the whole point of it. And it's just this simple. Who in this room will with boldness and grace just say, God, I'm in?
God, I'm in. You get the life. You get my weaknesses. I came in here feeling like a failure, but if you said you want my pile of rags, you get it. I'm in. You get to have my life, and you get to wrap yourself in me. There are some in this room this morning, listen to me, you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is a message for all of us. But do you understand today that not only is he looking to forgive you of your sins and to save you from hell, because that's a really real place, a hell, an eternity apart from him. But even beyond that, he's looking to live in you a life that you'll never, ever live. Listen, peace, hope, joy, those things are not emotions. They're not just experience. They are a person. They are God himself. And God said, you can't get any of those things until I wrap myself in you, until I live inside of you, which I can only do through you confessing and receiving my salvation. Can I pray for us this morning? Can I lift you up? Father, I pray for every person in this place. I pray for those this morning who don't know you, that you are knocking on their hearts right at this moment. I pray for those who feel like a failure in the kingdom of God. I pray for those that have gone so far, but they feel God calling them to something more. God, I pray today. I pray today, God, that you would meet every single person as we begin to say just yes to you. Yes to you. For those who don't know you today, God, as they begin to cry out and say, God, I want you to forgive me of my sins and I want you to come live inside me. Wrap my life in you. Wrap myself in you. God, I pray that you would hear those cries now and Holy Spirit, you would touch them. You would forgive them. You would give them new life. Oh God, God, raise them up for the glory of your name. But God, today, through the breaking of these lights, these candles, as we sing Silent Night during this Christmas time, and we think about the signs of what it actually means. This is our sign of a response to say yes. To say, God, I receive your light. I receive your life inside of me. In fact, today, Springs Church, if you're a yes, crack those candles, crack those lights open. Say, God, God, I'm responding today. I'm responding, Lord God. As we head into 2024, my life is yours. Yes, yes. Do what you may. Hallelujah. Thanks again for listening to our Springs Church podcast. For other exciting content from Springs Church, be sure to visit us online at springs.church. If you'd like to partner financially with Springs Church, you have the opportunity to give by visiting the Give tab of our website, springs.church.